as a church, we just want to uh, wish Sister Elsa a very happy birthday. Sister Elsa, we just want to thank you. Thank God for you. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you this year, even as you walk with him. So this morning, even before we start the meditation of God's word, let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. You are a good God. Your mercy endures forever. Especially this morning, we just want to thank God for Sister Elsa. Thank you, Father, for her life, for her testimony. For the blessing that she is to all of us. And who she is to many of us. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would grant her, even this year, Lord, health and strength. Lord, her anointing would increase. She will become even more mighty in your kingdom this year. Be with her, O Lord, and watch over her. Put a hedge of protection around her. Thank you, Father, once again for this day. God, even as we study your word, pray, Lord, that you would teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Anoint us to that and we pray. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. So we're looking at preparing ourselves for His coming. Let's read from Matthew chapter 24, uh, in verse number 4 onwards. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and deceive many, or to lead many astray from the path. And then it goes on to say, many, they will, many, then they will deliver you up to the tribu- up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. It goes on to say, many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now that the word many, many, many is a, is a very tension word, no? It's like it's not, if the moment I see that word many, <laughs> I don't want to be, among, the, the probability of you being among the many is high. Naturally, no. So, that many is a very dangerous word. So you have to be very careful that you are not among the many. So the attitudes that one believe, one, one, the, the, that will be tested in, uh, in the last days are the attitudes, especially of those who are in the kingdom of God. Three attitudes uh, we've been looking at, deception. Second is offense. And the third is lovelessness. So in order for us to keep ourselves from not getting deceived, from not getting offended, and not becoming loveless, because iniquity will abound and the love of many will grow cold. So obviously the straightforward answer as to how to guard your lovelessness, to, to guard your heart from becoming loveless, is to overcome iniquity, to overcome lawlessness, to overcome sin. So, so in order for us to uh, guard our hearts against all these things, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus exhorts his disciples to practice another attitude, a very important attitude. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 41. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Verse, verse 42, careful, very important, watch therefore. Watch therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. It's very interesting. What do you call this? Watch. <laughs> okay. It's 
place. Of course, sometimes it becomes a clock, but it's a watch. Okay, uh, you call that a clock? You call this a watch? You know why? Because it is close to you, always to keep an eye. Okay, clock is for everybody. Hmm. Watch is for you. Specific. <laughs> <laughs> right, keep a watch, <laughs> keep a watch, meaning you have very little time left or something like that, no, very little time left, honestly, very, very little time, very, very little time, keep a watch on your watch, so I, I, uh, I remember my dad used to ask me, you know, a very strange word he used to use, Vijay, what is your time, he used to say, <laughs> I mean, I hope your time is my time, <laughs> I hope we are in the same time, no, uh, so think about it, and then now I realize why I used to say that. What's your time? <laughs> okay, uh, it says three o'clock. In which country? <laughs> which country are you living in? <laughs> in US or in India? Huh? Stopped somewhere? No, it stopped functioning. So this morning, a very important attitude for us, for us all, to develop, to keep ourselves from getting deceived, to keep ourselves from getting offended, to guard our hearts from getting cold. That fire continuously keeps burning in our hearts is to watch. So let us try to understand this one word watch. Watch. First, let us try to see what it means. What does watch mean? See, it is important for us to realize the meaning of words. Definitions are absolutely important. Precise definitions especially. If you know precisely what something means, precise means of course you cannot be um, very precise, ultimately, the, you, you, you can be as precise as you can be. And if you are precise about a particular definition, then you will strive to become that. But if your definitions are all messed up, then you will not strive to be what, what it asks you to be, right? So what does watch mean? It means first to give strict attention to detail. Attention to detail. Strict attention. It also means to be very cautious, circumspect, cautious. I mean, so while we while we are driving, we have to be cautious. Okay, we, we may be driving carefully, but the other person may not be driving carefully. So we have to be cautious not only about our driving, about the janta around us who's uh, careless, right? So very important. So to give strict attention, to be cautious, and another very important interesting um, rendering of it is to take heed lest while indulging sudden calamity might overtake us that's all that's all that's what uh, watch also means to take heed lest while indulging sudden calamity overtake us so that is also what watchful means okay to be sensitive all the time to be awake all the time 24 by 7 literally to be sensitive in your spirit man to, to be sensitive against sin, to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to, be, to the convictions and to the probings and the and the and the and the pointings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. No, so that kind of a sensitivity we have to um, develop. That is being watchful. So this indulging is very dangerous. No. <laughs> As Steph Pastor was saying, I keep myself from coke. <laughs> you will never catch me from having coke, but I cannot guarantee that, okay? I'm practicing. <laughs> yes, yesterday after the meeting was over, we went to LM to have dinner. 
And so I was feeling really thirsty. I said, Anisha, just give me a Coke. <laughs> and then there was a CCTV camera over there. And Rachel was saying, faster, let somebody watch you having Coke. <laughs> okay. Suddenly, suddenly that day overtake you by surprise, you know. I mean, I remember, you know, it's very, very important for us when you are in leadership positions to be not found in wrong places. Honestly, you know, I was at uh, several years, I, I think I mentioned this sometime back, I was in Wonderla. Wonderla. Huh? I was having a blast with the children, you know, swimming in the swimming pool. And then suddenly I kicked somebody and that fellow got up from the swimming pool and he said, hello, praise the Lord, pastor. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, who is this, who is this guy? You know, young, young, young guy. He said, Baba. I said, uh, where did I see you? Pastor, you came to that youth meeting in Warangal that time. Remember me? I said, oh my goodness, you know. See, wrong places. I mean, that was okay. Thank you. I was with my children. So it was okay. So take heed. Lest while indulging sudden calamity overtake you. So this is su- such an important thing because you know what happens um, in, um, if you look, read the parable of the sower, Jesus says, don't be weighed down. What, what causes the word to get crushed is the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this life. Luke's gospel chapter 21, he says, don't be weighed down by carousing and by the weight and the concerns of this life. Lest that day come upon you and then you are caught unawares. You see, sensitive, watchful. You know, one guy in the old covenant who typifies this, which who challenges me, you know, lock, stock and barrel, who typifies this sensitivity, this watchfulness, this caution, this, um, this, um, um, so while indulging, I don't want to sin. You know, this kind of an attitude. You know who typifies this? Anybody? One guy who comes to your mind? Job chapter 1. Because, look at what happens. While indulging sudden, something happens. Something happens to who? Not Job. To his children. Look at what it says. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking. Indulging. uh, Eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And what came? Suddenly. They were caught unawares. They were not watchful. Suddenly a great wind came and from across the wilderness, from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the who? On the who? On the young people. So all of Job's children were youngsters. They were possibly in their, you know, early 20s or 30s because they were married. Late late 20s and early 30s maybe because those days they possibly got married, married early. So it fell on the young people and they're all what? Dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. But look at this man, Job. While he was living, he was cautious, he was watchful, but his children were actually not watchful. They were careless. Look at how sensitive this man, Job, is. No, Look at what it says. Why it uh, really uh, uh, challenges me is that if the in, in the book of Ezekiel, God talks about three righteous men. <laughs> Who's, who are those, who are three righteous men? Noah, Daniel, and Job. Noah, Daniel, and Job. These three righteous men. Okay. So Noah was righteous. Was a just man perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God, it says. And then he says Job is of the class of who? Noah. So that means he was also a man who, who was upright, blameless, just in his generations and he walked with the Lord. 
and Daniel? The three top righteous people in the old covenant, if you want to put it that way. Hmm? And then, of course, you have Moses and, 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 uh, and uh, Samuel also, who are, who are, uh, who are the typical examples of, um, uh, of intercessors. So you have suddenly a great wind came and look at how this man was sensitive, watchful in his entire life. Job chapter one. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. They enjoyed life. So it was when the days of the feasting had run their course. (laughs) I mean, they had courses on cooking and eating. I mean, they didn't have courses on eating. Cooking, definitely on eating. Hmm? This entire thing we should finish. We should taste everything. Ultimately, we'll get a certificate. I've tasted everything. Okay. That is what, that is the reason why it's called a course. Hmm? (laughs) Sam is, Sam is is laughing. Okay. So what, you know what he did? After the course was over, what did you, what would he do? He would send for them. And then second thing, sanctify them. You know, that is remarkable, isn't it? He would send for them sanctified them and would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings. Now, what he would do, let's say he has, he has seven children, seven, four daughters, four sons and three daughters. Maybe he's calling all his sons, maybe daughters have gone to his, gone to their mic here, you know, four sons, come here, come here, you fellows. I mean, by that, this was the time of, uh, there was no law, okay? This is the time when law was still not there. But a man who's walking with the Lord will know his ways. So keep that in mind, will know his ways. So what does he say? Oh, get get an innocent animal. That what are we doing? We are slaughtering this animal. Why? Why are we eating it? No, we are not eating it. We are cutting it into pieces. Why? God is holy. God is righteous. God is uncompromising. You want to be right with the Lord? Something innocent has to die. In your place. You know, it is impossible for us to be right with the Lord unless you are through the blood, you go through the blood. He had this burnt offerings, meaning what is a burnt offering? You have to slaughter the animal, cut it into pieces and put it on the altar. That's how burnt offerings were made. That entire order or the way of the how to offer a burnt offerings was given in, uh, in the book of Leviticus. But these, Job already knew what a, what a burnt offering was because Bible is very he doesn't, he doesn't say he offered an offering to the Lord. No, 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 no. He doesn't say that. He offered specifically burnt offering. So you cannot define. So when, when it is burnt offering, the definition of burnt offering is consistent through the Bible. So he knows exact. So if this has to qualify as a burnt offering, then it has to be precisely according to the way the burnt offerings have to be have to be offered in the Bible. And he would say, you know what? You want to get right with the Lord? A burnt offering has to be slaughtered. That means he, he understood the ways of God. How do you sanctify? How do you sanctify your children? Or, 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 or how does God sanctify us? Anybody knows the answer? John's Gospel chapter 17. I have given them your word. And the word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. What? By your truth, your word is truth. So how did Job sanctify his people or his children? By preaching them the word. 
And how did he preach the word? By offering the burnt offerings and telling them what is the reason why I am offering this burnt offering. And what kind of what what kind of a sin was he sensitive to? What kind of a sin was he watchful about? Do you have any idea? Let's see. So, when the days of feasting had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings. Why? Because God is holy. God is righteous. You see, the three top righteous people we know in the Bible, Noah, Daniel and Job. Noah was a man who found grace in the the eyes of the Lord. He was a just man, perfect in his generations and he walked with the Lord. So if you want to be qualified as a righteous man of the class of Noah, what should you be? A just man, perfect in his generations and what? Walking with the Lord. Who is the other person who walked with the Lord? Enoch walked with the Lord. Now what is the meaning of what, what happens? What happens when a man walks with the Lord? You know what, what, uh, what, what it says in the book of Isaiah chapter 60 or 50 and he says, I am the Lord who is high and lofty and I, uh, and I live in the most holy place and I also dwell among a people who are of a humble and a contrite heart. So the way, if you want to walk with the Lord, he will not change. He is absolutely, right, absolutely righteous, absolutely just, absolutely merciful. And if you want to have a relationship and a walk with him, you need to understand the closer you walk with him, the more you are aware of your own sinfulness and his righteousness and the mercy that you are receiving from God. Three things have to happen simultaneously. You are aware of your sinfulness, you are aware of his holiness and if I have to have a relationship with this incredibly holy God and I am aware of my sinfulness, the only way I can be reconciled to him is through his mercy. So the three things are happening simultaneously. What is that? What is what is Job doing? He's offering a burnt offering and what is he pleading for? Mercy. Because I know that you are righteous, I know you are holy, I know you are absolutely uncompromising. You're, and if I am of the class of righteous Noah who is walking with the Lord, I should be aware of the holiness of God. And therefore I am asking for mercy. I know that I need mercy because, you know, people keeps on teaching us, are you aware that you need mercy? Because so many of us have sinned, may not, we may not have committed, we might have omitted. You know, somebody, I was reading a book the other day, it was in, it was in the, G, in GSS, I think by A.W. Tozer, one of the t- titles of one of the chapters was, The Great Omission. <laughs> it's not the Great Commission, it is, <laughs> it is a great omission. I'm like, I was, I was thinking about this. How great is my omission? And if the sin of omission is as powerful and as, uh, as uh, uncompromising as the sin of commission, how much of mercy do I need? You see? You need to understand. So when you're walking with God, you know what happens? Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God. What do you think happened to these guys? They looked at God and said, my goodness, this man, this person, this righteous God is wanting to have a relationship with me, pleading for mercy, extending mercy, and walking with him, taking part of his holiness. So you know what happens? What transpires when a man is walking with the Lord, his entire lifestyle changes. You know what is what uh, what uh, Enoch is called? He's called a seventh from Adam, and he was a person who prophesied. Prophesied. What did he prophesy? Look at what he what he prophesied. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, know, read how this entire passage about Enoch is 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 explained and rendered in the Bible. You will find the word ungodly in the most wrong places. 
just drive home a point. Let us look at look at this. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, who walked with the Lord. Oh, even he walks with the Lord, he knows God. When he knows God, he knows the righteous, righteous standards of God. And he says, This God is coming. There is a day of reckoning. And look at what he says. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his. That means if you want to be walking with the Lord, you should be a saint. Sanctified one. In other words. You understand? So what is Job if he is walking with the Lord? Sanctified one. And what is he doing to his children? Sanctifying them. And he says, to execute judgment on all. Now no, he is defining this all. To convict all who are ungodly. Among these all. So there is an all. Among these all, there is an ungodly all. Among these all. Among them all of their ungodly deeds, I can understand. Fine. Which they have committed in an ungodly way. You look at, you see, this guy is already ungodly. His deeds are ungodly. This guy is ungodly. His deeds are ungodly. That means you should say he is a sinner. Look at what he says. Ungodly way of all the harsh things that ungodly. Are this guy is already a sinner. Such bad word. Already. He's already dead. You're making him double dead. He's looking at people. Guy, you do not know where who's coming. You know, for him, this man Enoch typifies a man for whom sin has become exceedingly sinful. This is what happens when you walk with the Lord. This is what happens when you walk with men of God who are walking with God. Because they will show your compromise. That is the reason why we are very, very uh, comfortable. I mean, we will put men of God who are walking with the Lord at a distance. They, and we will, uh, you know, act. No, we don't want to waste your time, Pastor. You know, uh, <laughs> you are very, very, very busy man. All, what is it? It's all cop out. Because, you know, <laughs> when we are walking with him, we will know our own compromise. And we don't like it. You see, class class toppers say, who will walk? Class topper is a topper. Nobody walks with him. You know, if you walk with a class topper, you will know how your righteousness is like filthy rags before him. Because he will show you where all you're, where all you're lacking. What I think that I have is already wrong. <laughs> you understand this? I mean, I remember that guy, you know, who wrote uh, his exam. Additional after additional, additional after. Sir, additional. Sir, additional. Sir, additional. Every, everybody in the class were cracking their heads to answer the uh, answer the question paper. This guy is writing additional after additional. You know additionals, right? Okay. Familiar, no? Corona batch? Okay. <laughs> additional, additional after additional is writing. And after that, he takes this tag and he ties up his answer sheet. It's like one, one big uh, thesis only. One volume. So, professor grades exam. And then, everybody's answer sheets is like one line, one paper, two paper, one sheet, two sheet, and this fellow, one book. So, what he does is, professor puts this entire uh, grantham, uh, the pustakam here on one side, and the other uh, answer scripts on the other side. And he says, so today I'm going to give you the grades. This one will be separate, graded separately. And then, he gives all the answers out to all the people. Everybody gets zero, half zero, and two zeros. Uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> that, that is what we call in Telugu, sunna, arasunna, visarga. Hmm. Uh, okay. Sinna, uh, everybody. And then uh, this guy, he says, uh, 
who is the author of this book, big book, of this volume? One guy gets up. And he says, uh, these answers are not correct. These answers are not even wrong. They can't even qualify as wrong. I don't know what you wrote. You are thinking in the volume of the things you wrote. Somewhere, somewhere you will hit the answer, but nothing is happening. It's like this now, this guy, you know, he went to this field and he saw, you know, all those things, right? What do you call them? Targets, targets and all the arrows on the bullseye. Then he said, uh, he called the farmer and he said, who's this export arrow man? He said, that fellow is not an export arrow man. He first shot arrows and then put the marks over there. You didn't get the joke. <laughs> you are experts. <laughs> you see, these are, these are not experts, arrow men. He just shot it and then he put the arrows, uh, marks over there. How many should I get? 100. You see, that is how we are. We are deceived. We do not know the exceeding sinfulness of our sin. We are constantly missing the mark. And then you know what you are doing? You are putting, <laughs> what is that? Our bullseye over there and saying, hey, I did not sin, I did not sin, I did not sin. You know what Jesus says? If any man says that he is without sin, he, what? God a liar and he also deceives himself. Mm-hmm. So, this is important. That is the reason why, watch, 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 watch. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. It's very powerful. Verse 17. Obey. Everybody say, ah, thank you. You stop there and, st- <laughs> you know, you should ask this question. What is obedience? <laughs> you see, when you, when you read the Bible, you read it carefully and say, what is obedience, God? You know what the word obey here is? There are several words for obedience in the Greek. The word for here is entrust yourselves to those who are godly. That's the word. What is that? Ah. In other words, my soul is in your hands. I've entrusted myself in your hands because I know that you're godly. That is obedience. Meaning, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. You know, that is something, one of the decisions that I made over a period of time and continue to make, continue to make those decisions. If Pastor James says this, I will do it. If he doesn't say this, I will not do it. It's already made, I've already made a decision. Because I have entrusted my soul to the person who's got, who's walking with the Lord. In other words, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for what do they do? They watch for your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do so with joy and not grief for that would be unprofitable for you. So what job, what did Job do? He sanctified, watched over them. He watched over his own heart. He watched over his own walk and he watched over his children. He said, and you know, look at how watchful he is. What is he watchful about? And you're wondering, what is Job watchful about? Look at what Job is watchful about. This is so instructive, my dear brothers. So instructive. Job chapter 1, verse 5, part B. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God where? In their hearts. Bah! This man, you know, you just take his hats off. See, this is a result of walking with the Lord. You know what it means? When you are walking with the Lord, God is just not looking at the outward. Like pastor was teaching on uh, on um, Thursday, right? Thursday, the Nepali meeting was talking about Noah having pitch inside and outside. Pitch inside, pitch outside. What were, what were the Pharisees? Pitch outside. And what were they inside? Full of uncleanness and dead man's bones. Whitewashed tombs. 
And what was Job sensitive about? He was sensitive about the sin and the thoughts and the intentions of his heart. And he said, my sons, my goodness, I am walking with this holy God. They do, not, they do not know the righteous standards of God. It may be, my dear sons, you might have cursed God in your hearts because in your drunken stupor you would have said some things. You shouldn't have said. I'll tell you something. If it is, if it is not obedience from the heart, it is not obedience at all. Say that. Uh, say that. Say that. Say that again. If it is not obedience from the heart, it is not obedience at all. Say that. Exactly. If my heart is not involved in obedience, then God does not want that obedience. I will never be able to overcome sin unless I obey from what? How do I know that? Look at what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that the that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to righteousness is as if now sin is a person. Because it is a person, it is that person's slave, he says, right? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. And look at what it says, verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, what happened to you? You obeyed from where? From the heart, that form of teaching or doctrine to which you were delivered. So what happened? God gave you some teaching and from where did you obey? You said, you know what? I want to obey from the heart. The obedience has to in, has to start here. That is the reason why David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You desire truth in the inward parts and the inward parts you make me to know wisdom. You see, that is where it's important. It's important for the core of our being, the obedience to come from here, our intentions to come from here, for our everything should come from here because it says, it is from the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks. Whatever is inside of your heart will come out. Either either it will sanctify you and justify you or it will condemn you or make you unclean. So what happens? You obey it from the heart, that form of teaching. And what happened as a result? And you have been what? Set free from sin. So so what is a, what is the, what is the principle for being set free from sin? Obedience from where? From the heart. Why are not people set free from sin? They may obey, but it is not coming from there. What? Are, my dad will be after my life. Let me just do these problems and get it over with. That is obedience from outside. Did you do it? Yes, I did it. But you actually did not do it. You are doing it for me. You know, when we were growing up, our parents used to say, you are thinking that you are doing me a favor by studying. <laughs> you are doing yourself a favor. <laughs> you see, that's, that's what it says. You know, God thinks, what are you doing? Obeying. You think you are doing me a favor? No. Understand this. Having been set free from, from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Therefore, it is important for us to think about the heart, about the heart, about the heart. Okay? The heart of the matter is the Matter of the heart. It's simply. So Mark, Mark's gospel tw- chapter 12 makes a very interesting statement. I love this one of my, uh, one of my, uh, uh, favorite verses. By the way, by the way, what are we doing over here? Let us not lose track, okay? I've said, said, said so many things. So let us, what is, we are trying to understand what it means to be watchful. We're defining watchfulness. 
Okay, and we're trying to look at different examples, and we're trying to understand what it what it means to be watchful. All right. So what is what is he asking? He's asking about the sensitivity of sin in the heart. Alright, look at what Jesus says to the scribe who comes and asks him this question. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first of the greatest commandment? So, the scribe came, scribe heard, scribe answered. Ask the question, in other words. So what should you do? You should also come, you should also hear and then you should ask. Question. Three things you have to do. Okay. So he said, yeah, I asked a very genuine question. Which is the first of the commandments? Now the first commandment is quite huge. It's a paragraph. So in, in the commandment, there is part A, part B, part C, part D. Okay. Let us look at the commandment and divide it into different parts to understand the full gamut of that commandment. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is, what is that? Uh, first, stop there. <laughs> Where? <laughs> to first hear, Rabo. Just hear. In Telugu, they'll say, Revinandra Babu. Hmm. Just listen. Hear, O Israel. The first commandment is to hear. Then, that the Lord your God is what? One. That means he will not take second space in anybody's life. If God is not the first in your life, he does not want you to be your God at all. He is, should be the first. That is the reason why in, 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 in Telugu it's very interesting. Advitiya Devudu. Advitiya means, Dvitiya means second. Advitiya means second to none. Second to none. He is the first. And if you do not give him the preeminence in your life, he will not want to be your God at all. He said, please go and do whatever you want. So, and you shall love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart. You see, this is the first and the most important thing. Our heart, this is important. That is the reason why Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So it has to come from love here, here. And it is not a feeling. And what is the whole purpose of teaching? What is the whole purpose of instruction? What is the whole purpose of ensuring that we are being taught over and over and over again? What are, what are we being taught? First Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Okay, this is in the New Living Translation. I like it. I like this translation. Look at look at what it says. This is Paul telling Timothy. The purpose of my instruction or teaching is that all believers would be filled with love. Period. No. My, the purpose of... Because he has to kind of qualify that love. He says he's, all the believers should be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, from a clear conscience and from a genuine faith. So, I'll just put this graphic. I hope this graphic stays in your mind. What is this? Everybody read it. Love. Love has to come from first thing. A pure heart. Okay. A pure heart. Hmm? Then it also has to come from a good conscience. A conscience is like the candle. Light. Okay. Light. The conscience is the one, that's the reason why it says, the conscience either excuses them or accuses them. Why does the conscience accuse them or excuse them? Because the law of the Lord is written in their hearts. And now because you have the law of the Lord written in their hearts, the conscience knows what the standard of God is. And therefore when you meet the standards, it says, fantastic Vijay. And we don't meet the standards, what does it do? It accuses you and says, oh Vijay, no, 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 that is wrong. And it is not just a conscience, it is good conscience or a clear conscience. He's, he's, he's qualifying that. So it's a pure heart, a good conscience, 
So, so one of the very important things, therefore, as young young people, you have to generate, you have to practice that and develop that clear conscience. In Telugu, it's manasakshi. It's the testimony of your inner person. Sakshi means sakshi means witness. The witness, the witness of that inner man. You know, um, one of my favorite movies, of course, is uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Spielberg's. Uh, you know that movie. Schindler's List, right? Now, when she he wanted to make a he wanted to make a Schindler's List, there's a there's a there's a character called Itzhak Perman. He's a Jew, and he's the one who's saving all the Jewish Jewish people from the Holocaust. And this guy, uh, Itzhak Perman, is under Oscar Schindler, who is a German. If you have seen that movie, no, a fantastic movie. One of the, one of my, I mean, it's impossible for you to not to cry after you watch that movie. My life changed after I watched that movie. Really, honestly, one of my real, really, it impacted my life a lot. So you know what? It, what he says in that when movie, when Spielberg was making making that movie, uh, he was uh, he was sending his scripts to different different actors for auditioning them. Okay, and uh, you know, have you seen the movie Gandhi? Anybody saw the movie Gandhi? Show me your hands if you've seen the movie Gandhi. Fantastic movie. Watch it, okay? Very, very fantastic. Very nice movie. I mean, I was, that was the first movie I watched in theater. In Sangeet Theater, 1983. Those years. My dad took it. Hmm? Took me to Sangeet Theater those days. So, uh, Itzhak Perman was played by this character called, uh, this man called Ben Kingsley, who won the Oscar for Gandhi and also for this movie. So, Ben Kingsley was sent the script and uh, Spielberg wanted to take this man and, I mean, he wanted to ask uh, Ben Kingsley to play this character of Itzhak Perman. So, he read the script. He read the script and after he read the script and he looked looked at the character that he was playing and one of the things he says, what is the narrative function of my character in the story? Narrative function means what does this character try to do in order to captivate the audience, in order to tell the audience what is he trying to do? And he says, when he read the script, he said, you know what? The narrative function of this author, of, of this character is that he's a conscience of the entire plot. He's a conscience. So he, and he read the character and he said this is this is what I get from this character let me see if the director gets it if the one who is directing me understands what he's directing so he was actually not being interviewed by the director he was actually interviewing the director that is a that is a standard of Ben Kingsley okay so he went to Spielberg and he asked me he asked him this question what do you mean what do you think is the narrative function of uh, this is this character in the plot and you know what Spielberg said no wonder he's the uh, greatest director. He said, you know what? This man is the witness of the plot. Ben Kingston was shocked and he said, you know what? I have a word in my pocket. Conscience. And you said, witness. The witness of the conscience. I'm doing this character. The witness of the conscience. You know, conscience is a witness. The witness meaning what? It will tell you, Vijay, this is what you're doing is wrong. This is what you're doing is right. And if it is trained, if it has been given the training by the word of God, like, like, uh, like, um, Martin Luther said, you know, when, when they asked him to compromise, compromise and say, you know what, recant what, what all you that, all that you said, all that you stand for, you know what he said? He said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. How can I go against my conscience? It's captive to the word of God. So he says, love that comes from a pure heart, from a clear conscience, and I'm telling you young people, the one of the most important things that you have to develop when you're growing up is a very sensitive and a, and a clear conscience. Because when you are young, when you're a kid, when you're still in the age of innocence, you have that. And don't lose it. Okay? And then it says, finally, an unfeigned 
faith, uh, unhypocritical faith. So the love that has to has to uh, that that God looks for, which is coming from a pure heart, it's a good conscience, and from unfaith or unhypocritical faith. And if you want all these three things, what should you do? You have to submit yourself to something very important. What is that? Instruction. So, what does instruction do? It gives you a pure heart. What does instruction do? It gives you what are the clear consciences. What does instruction do? It gives you unfeigned faith. And when you have all these three, you have love, which is according to the Bible. Otherwise, you have what what we call as love, which is a mushy-mushy love. It is not love. Understand that. So, watch. Watch, 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 watch. So, what should we watch? How should we watch? Now, Jesus makes this very powerful statement. We'll come to that aspect today. We'll look at maybe two or three in the time that we have. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In, he might come in the evening. He might come at midnight. Crowing of the rooster or in the morning. So four watches over. So 24 by 6, 24 di- uh, times divided by 4. So 24 by 7, you should be watchful. In other words, you have to be sensitive. It's not that you don't, you'll not sleep physically, but you have to be sensitive all the time. So what should you be watchful about and how should, what should, what exactly should you be watchful about? Today I'll just look at another example of a guy who was watchful. This is First uh, Samuel chapter 3 and uh, we know this character who was extremely watchful. Look at what it says. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So look at this guy. Read this. What is he? Boy. Boy ante. What could be his age? Definitely less than or equal to 16. How many less than or equal to 16 over here? Esther Itakota? You're also less than or equal to. Fantastic. Okay. Less than or equal to 16. Boy. Look at what he says about boy. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Okay. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying at his place and when his, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of the, where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel. How watchful that he might be, he has to be. So he immediately responds. Look at that. How watchful, sensitive. Samuel, he just got up. You know, you can be a heavy sleeper physically, but light sleeper spiritually. <laughs> I mean, you can be heavy sleeper, but your spirit can be still be very conscious. You know, you can be incredibly in deep sleep, but the spirit of God can wake you up, let's say at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning with one touch. Will you wake up? Samuel was like that. Samuel, fuck you, Adam. you call me. Call me. Did you call me? I mean, Eli is a guy who's lost that, no? Yes, there are some people, did Eli not get a warning? Of course, he already got a warning. By this time, the prophet came and he told him, you know what, you're, you're honoring your sons before me. And God honors those, only those who honor me. And one day your sons are going to die. Did he change? No. He's, he's come to a point where he cannot change. You know, there are a lot of people like that. They've come to a point where they cannot change. They are completely set in their ways. God can say prophet number two, prophet number one, to prophet number two. Even even Samuel can prophesy, but he will not change. They have lost their sensitivity. You know what has happened to their conscience? It says the conscience has been seared with a what? With a hot iron. 
That's it. It's over. They cannot change anymore. There are no probings in their heart. They don't fear. They don't tremble. Watch. Sensitive. And when your children develop that and guard that innocence. Hmm? So let's see what should be watchful about. First thing. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 onwards. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go praying there. Who's writing this? Anybody knows? I'm Matthew. Thank you so much. <laughs> Obvious answer, no? Somebody who's looking at me blankly, who wrote this? Uh, I don't know. Matthew wrote it, okay? And who is Matthew? One of the disciples. So what did God tell Matthew in this in this particular verse? Sit here. Okay? Sit here. So what did Matthew do? Sat there. I also want to come with uh, you. He didn't say. He sat there. Okay? <laughs> Understand? When God called Matthew, get up and come. He got up and came. And what did, when God called Matthew and said, when told Matthew, please sit here, he sat there. You see, one of the things you should need to understand is, you should have an honest appraisal about yourself. Okay. When Jesus said uh, to sit me, I'm maybe, I'm not of the class of John, Matthew and, uh, sorry, of uh, John, Peter and James. I'm not of the class. Okay, fine. I'll accept that about me. Will I be jealous about them? No. What, what will I, what will, uh, what I will do though, though here is, I will f- pursue them and one day I will catch up with, with, with Peter. Peter, you better watch your back. I'm come, come be, coming behind you. Okay. I'm not too far away from you. But as of now, yes, I'm not of the standard of, of Peter. He never got offended. You know, this is what is important for us, with us. You sit here, sit there. Come here. You, you, you see, many of the problems in life will be solved if you simply obey Jesus. He didn't, he did not love Matthew, uh, uh, sorry, Peter and uh, James and John more than Matthew, no. He said, you still are not at that, at that level, you sit there. And then he comes and says something to the other, other disciples. Then he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. So he poured out his heart to whom? Three people who are closest to him. Why? Because uh, Matthew, if I tell you what I'm going through, maybe <laughs> you will get so discouraged and you don't even want to come with me. These guys have come to a standard. I can speak my heart to them. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. You know, the very, this is what convicted me you know, when I'm thinking about this. This is what convicts me. Can Jesus come and say, Please watch with me. There are so many people uh, in different different churches in you know in different different cities. For example, let us say only in this city, uh, you know, our church. For example. let us zero in on uh, zero in on to our church. The very few people to whom you know we can really I mean not we when I'm saying we God can actually say you know what watch. The rest he says sit there enjoy life. Whether, whether they actually pass a test is a different thing, but can he, can he even ask you? <laughs> can you please watch with me? You know, when the church was in the beginning, no? we used to have all night prayer. <laughs> I don't know if you were part of it. 
it was i mean it was one of the most incredible experiences of, of our lives I mean, when we were growing i mean the church when we started initially it was really really we had a bunch of fired up guys now all of them are at different different places god is using them mightily but not all of them some of them at least so you know this this core group who, who are there everywhere there's a core group no god is asking are you a part of that core you see because you cannot be watched you cannot be even asked to watch if you're not a part of the court okay i'm just asking you just think about those those words let us move on matthew chapter 26 verse 39 he went a little farther so he left them fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will then he comes back then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to peter what is a shock what could you not even watch with me for what one hour and then was 41 that is where we want to meditate today in the bulk in bulk was 41 watch and pray lest you enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak now let us just analyze that one particular verse okay watch and pray why should you watch and pray if you do not watch and pray you will fall into temptation okay what is willing spirit is willing what is the flesh weak what does weak mean okay let us let us write let us read that again okay let us read that verse again for i want you to get you give me the answer okay just interact with me okay watch and pray lest you fall into temptation if you do not watch what will happen you will fall into temptation because jesus himself asked us to taught us to pray saying lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil okay watch and pray lest you enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak so what is weak flesh is weak okay body is weak flesh is weak so how do you qualify weakness in this verse if i say tell me another word for weak for weakness excuse me if i ask you this question can you replace the word weakness with another word from this particular verse the answer is there in the verse itself read it, read that again okay read, read that again okay let's read it over and over again I'm just teaching you how to read over and over again watch and pray the answer is there in the in the in the, in the question in the, in the verse itself lest you enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing the flesh is weak so what is the other word for weak unwilling thank you so much samuel you are the man <laughs> a for the day for you in other word spirit is willing flesh is stubborn that is what it means weak weak means oh yeah i'm so weak no 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 it, it is it is it is the opposite of willingness you know there's a saying in telugu manchi edduki oka dabba manchi manishiki oka maata you know what let me translate that for an ox if you whip it once it will work well for a good man if you tell him once he will work well you see observe an ox okay this is what some i, I had never observed an ox i'm not a man of the field okay but this is what i heard if you whip an ox if you whip an ox it will work well it will in fact it will just get back on track and start working more disciplined it will it will be it will become more disciplined if you whip a, whip a donkey it will just run here and there it will become helter skelter you know what donkeys have 
they have two eyes with 360 degrees vision. They cannot only just see behind, they can see top also. I mean, that means, can you can just imagine, focus your eyes and see, can anybody see who's sitting here? No, but donkeys can. That is the reason why if you try to slowly go behind a donkey, well, you know what it'll do? It'll give you one shot. <laughs> Stubborn. Keep this mind. What is a donkey? Stubborn. Everybody say, donkey is stubborn. So if a donkey can't be redeemed, what should you do? So what should you redeem a, redeem a donkey with? With a lamb. So donkey has to become a, a lamb. Lamb is yielding. Donkey is unyielding. Spirit is willing. The flesh is. I, actually, I have to, if I have to, re, if God gives me the authority to rephrase this statement, <laughs> I have not so much. <laughs> you know what I'm going to write? Okay, uh, Eugene Peterson wrote message translation. After all, if Eugene Peterson can, can write the message translation, I, I also can say, no? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is stubborn. Stubborn fellow. He's a donkey. That is the reason why he calls Ishmael the wild donkey of a man. You know what he calls him? In Telugu it's very interesting. Kanchara Gadida. Wild donkey of a man. He can, He's so stubborn. He's bent upon his ways. He cannot be redeemed. He has to be sent out. If Isaac has to grow... If Isaac has to become strong, if the if the spirit has to become strong, the donkey has to be sent out, has to be kicked out of the home. That is the reason why it says, cast out the bond woman and its son, because the son of promise will not be a heir with this man, with the, with the son of the of the slave. You see, spirit is willing, flesh is stubborn. Everybody say, spirit is willing. Uh, complete the statement, flesh is. My flesh is stubborn, you should say. <laughs> my flesh is stubborn. I'm telling you honestly, my flesh is the fellow is so stubborn. Stubborn. If I have to, if I have to gather empirical data from my own body, bent upon its ways. So why do you enter into temptation now? Let us, let us, let us now try, again try to analyze the statement. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Because the spirit is willing and the flesh is stubborn. And why do we enter into temptation? Because, because the flesh is stubborn. So if I have to, if I have to deal with this flesh, what should I do? I should be watchful unto prayer. You, you get that? Hmm? Otherwise I'll be, I'll enter into temptation. So now look at this. Now look at this characteristics of this stubborn flesh. Which has this probing towards temptation. Look at what it says in James, James chapter 1. He tries to analyze how this flesh is. Who falls into temptation over and over and over again. James chapter 1 verse 12 onwards. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now enduring temptation means just not, just not tolerating. No, 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 no. Overcoming. Enduring means overcoming temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to him who love him. Isn't it interesting? The Lord promised this crown to those who love him. In other words, only those people who love God will endure temptation. Simple. All things work together for the good to those who love God and who are recalled according to his purpose. And only those people who love God, love God with all of their heart. They have given their hearts to God. Those are the people who will be able to overcome temptation. And even if they fall, they have the ability to come back. In our weakness we might fall. But our heart is still in the right place. Like David. 
So he says, James chapter 1, so he understands, analyzes this weak flesh, the weak flesh. The weak is a misnomer, is a stubborn flesh. Hmm? James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Very good. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So listen children, God will not tempt you. He will allow temptation into your life, but he will not tempt you. Mm -hmm. He will allow to test you. That's exactly what he did to Hezekiah also. It says, he withdrew his presence from the life of Hezekiah to see what he would do when the Babylonians came. And what did Hezekiah do? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to Jerusalem. You want to see my glory? Come and see all my glory. And he showed him all the treasuries. And then Isaiah came. Oh, you prophet of doom. <laughs> Why did thou come? <laughs> what did I do now? Where did they come from? Oh, they came from Babylon, no? I got just healed by the Lord. I'm giving my testimony. You didn't give your testimony. You showed off all the things. You know what's going to happen to you? All your children will become eunuchs. Look at what it says. God cannot be tempted. Does not he? Neither does he tempt anyone, nor, nor, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So this weak flesh, or, or let us let us rephrase it, this stubborn flesh is being explained over here. We are being tempted because in our flesh there are desires which cause us to be enticed, and that is the reason why the another name for Satan is the tempter. The tempter came. Then when the desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. It gives birth to sin, and when sin is which is fully grown, brings forth death. So let us see from a man. In the Old Testament, has what as to what happened to him. He did not endure temptation. We learn from those people. We are not judging David. No, we are learning from the life of David. Second Samuel chapter eleven verse one. These are all instructive. Okay, verse one onwards. Just verse verse one. <clears throat> it it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. So what is uh, David guilty of? The, the sin of. Omission. The sin, the great omission caused the great commission, in other words, in his life. Literally. Hmm? The David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed people of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem and after that you know the story. Okay? The entire fall is explained in Second Second Samuel chapter 11, how he tries to cover up his fall. Everything has been very clearly explained. And then it says, but what David did, did not please, it was not pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. And then, in order to confront him, after several months, he sends the prophet. Look at the prophet's words describing the fall of David. It's very powerful, very instructive, very instructive. Let us see. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 onwards. You know, this is what, uh, this is what, uh, Paul says, catching people with guile. This is exactly what Nathan is going to do. You know, he's going to put a purupukada, a parable, and he's going to catch David in his own deceit. Mm-hmm. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and he said to him, there were two men in one city and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little e-lamb which he had bought and nourished and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate his at his own food and drank with his own cup and lay in his bosom and it was like a daughter to him. Then something happened. Now this is what how Nathan is going to explain David's fall. 
It's remarkable. Remarkable. The, the play on words is remarkable. Look at what it says. Verse 4. And who came? Traveler came. Who's the traveler? We'll come, we'll come, we'll come, we'll come. Don't come to any conclusions, okay? The traveler came. To the who? To the rich man. Who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man. No, it's interesting. He's calling the first, first. I mean, he's describing this temptation, whatever you want to call it, as a traveler first. And then he's calling a, is a wayfaring man. So, you know, the, you know the, let us, let, let, let me, let me try to make this a little more clearer for you. You have to come to church office. Okay, there are several ways. If you come, if I take the car, I take a road. What is the road? I come straight to Yadamagar. I don't take a ride there because that entire road here now is full of traffic. So I take the parallel road through Yadamagar. And I come to a juncture where there is a sports complex. Okay. Now, because I have a car and not a bike, the shortcut is if I go straight from behind, I can come directly to the church office within no time. But now what do I have? I have a car. So what do I do? I can't go that way. So I take another route and I come the original road by by the main road and I come to the church office. Now if I have a bike, I come straight. Now, why was I... I am a traveler. Why was I able to come through that uh, place to church office? Because there is a... There is a road. Yeah, exactly. I am a traveler. I am able to come through to the church office through this road because I see a road for my bike. Did you understand? Did you understand? Okay. Okay. I am a traveler. I have to reach church office. But, but a traveler cannot come to a destination unless he takes a particular road. The GPS says take a right. But I say no, 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 no. There is a shortcut. And my bike can actually go because many people have traveled, I mean, on their bikes on their particular road and they made a pathway for this traveler to reach its destination. Now think about this. The traveler is a thought. It's a temptation. The temptation to reach you needs a way. You know what? The word for traveler is very interesting. A drop. A thought. A drop of honey. That is the reason why it's called a honey trap. Why do people become double agents? Ah, the honey trapped him. Why did the honey come to you? Because there was a road. The traveler could not come if there is not a road. If there is no road, the traveler cannot come. But if there is a road, the traveler can come. So two things are important. The traveler is important. The road is important. Now think about it. What is the best way to overcome temptation? To stop the traveler or to ah remove the way. Thank you so much. See, you got your answers. You're all very intelligent people. <laughs> Extremely smart. <laughs> you understand? You're extremely intelligent and smart. The problem though here is we are stubborn like donkeys. We have our own way. And we are so stubborn that we don't have to go to the traveler. I'm sorry, the traveler doesn't have to come to us. We go to the traveler. Let me explain this. Jeremiah chapter 2. How can you say, I am not polluted? This is verse 23 onwards. How can, how can you say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Baals. 
see your see your way in the valley see your way in the valley hmm? know what you have done you are a swift dromedary or a, other other translations will use the word wild camel camel a desert camel a camel breaking loose in her ways and a wild donkey use the word for use this accustomed disciplined to the wilderness in other words you are disciplined in the wrong way you are stubborn in your ways you are taught over and over and over again you you indulge in one that particular sin over and over and over and over again now it's a nice smooth trajectory now what will happen the traveler happily comes whenever he pleases that's exactly what happened to david woman number 1 path clear Woman number two, path clear. Woman, uh, woman, woman number three, the path even more clear. Woman number four, the path even more clear. He came to Jerusalem, he had many concubines. Path even more clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. And one day the traveler came. Why are many of us falling into the same plot over and over again? Because the path is very clear for the traveler. I can easily reach this path. No problem at all. You are accustomed to the wilderness. So what happens? A wild donkey disciplined to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in her desire, that sniffs at the wind in her desire, in her time of mating, who can turn her away? All those who seek her will not weary themselves. In her month, they will find her. Because she makes herself available. I am there. In Hindi, there is a, there's a very interesting uh, proverb. Abhel mujhe mar. I am available. <laughs> I'm ready. You don't have to really, really struggle to protect me from sin. <laughs> I'm there from temptation. Think about it, no? There are paths. And you know what Moses asked God to teach him? Show me your ways. Teach me your paths so that I can travel. In other words, I want to make paths clear for your thoughts to enter into your mind. Your thoughts to enter into your mind and close all the trajectories for all the wrong thoughts to enter into your mind. Look at what he says about Jesus himself. Isaiah chapter 15. This is the NASB. Verse 4 onwards. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciples so that I may know how to sustain the weary one in season. With a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen like a disciple. So I have been disciplined from childhood over and over and again. So that what will happen, there will be trajectories in my mind so that the word of God can come smoothly to me. You see, one of the things, that is the reason why this constant meditation, constant coming and submitting yourself to the teaching of the word of God is so important so that God can, you know, make those ways more and more and more and more clearer so the thoughts of God can reach you. The revelations of God can reach you. Why is fasting is why fasting is fasting important? You know, one man of God, uh, I think it's Lou... Forget his name. Very interesting. Uh, Lou Engel. Lou Engel. Okay. Lou Engel, who was uh, who was mentored by Derek Prince. He wrote his. Uh, he was he was inspired by Derek Prince's uh, powerful book. He says, "Shaping history by fasting and prayer." Okay, shaping history by fasting and prayer. You know what he says? Fasting is like a is like you know creating a runway for the revelations of God to land. But what a statement! Fasting is like a runway to make the revelations of God to land. I'll tell you something, no? All that you're doing, if let's say, for example, you have uh, earrings, 
earrings are portals. It's like helipads. You know, where does, where do helicopters land? Wherever there are helipads. So where does demons land? Wherever there are earrings. I mean, not all earrings, but I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking about ornaments. Oh, very nice, interesting ornament. Let me land over there. It's my helipad. It's very interesting, no? You know what, 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 what he, say, what he tells uh, in Exodus chapter 32, 32, fam, right? He says, take away your ornaments and sanctify yourselves. I want to see what the Lord will do, do with you today. Take away your ornaments. Cleanse yourself, sanctify yourself, take away all those uh, helipads from your life which are allowing the enemy to come and sit there in your thoughts. They are stubborn, you know. We know we have a uh, AC split AC in our home. Abigail and Emmanuel know it. They come and make their love nest over there on that split AC, you know. So what did it, what what did we do? We took a huge piece of. Uh, the packing paper and stuck it up and we did not give any gap between the within the roof and the split so that the uh, the birds cannot come and stay, stay, stay there right but you should see the stubborn birds it is their home you know what they started doing they started eating away at the paper and they made a nice hole nicely inside now it is more comfortable there and laying eggs after eggs after eggs after eggs and they are very smart so you know what I do I go there and I take the stick and I chase them. That fellow acts as if he has flown away. He ruffles his feathers. He goes off into the uh, neighboring uh, apartment. So he said, Hurry, it has gone so far away. Ha, thank you, Jesus. It is gone. You just take a turn like this. He comes back within no time. This is empirical data. First turn. And you know, when it sees me, you know what it does? It goes and hides itself on the roof and waits for me to leave the balcony. Then again, I take the stick. I say, it runs. That's exactly what people are doing, you know. What are they doing to the thoughts? It flies away. And you think, oh, it's gone. It's gone. You know what? You have not dealt with your helipad. You have not covered the way. You know what Justin said? You should get one barbed fence and put it on top of it so that when it comes, it pokes it and it runs away. That's exactly what you should do. You should make so sin so uncomfortable in your life. It, it comes to you and it says, you know what? I can't stand here. It's so clean. It's like poking me and it's driving me away. Pichuka. You know Sparrow? It looks so innocent. I challenge you. Just leave your helmet open and leave it in the church office outside. Just like that. For a few minutes. It will come. It will wag its tail and it shows shows itself to you. It will say, oh, you are so innocent, Sparrow Ray. It is. And it just hangs around that that helmet because that helmet has got a nice cushion. Right? And you will just wait for a while. It's okay. You come into the church office, by the time you finish the day, you don't have, haven't checked your bike, you go back in the evening, the church, the helmet has a nice nest with two sparrows now. What is your helmet? Helipad. This is your helmet of salvation. Gone. What is it got now? Full of? What? Thoughts. Birds of the air, which are coming and eating away all the word that was sold. You understand this? 
So what is, David is being, I mean, he is giving this explanation, you know what, traveler came. Why did a traveler come, David? Because you made a way for the traveler. Easily to come. Over and over you practice this way of uh, lust. Now nicely it will come. It lays its eggs and happily goes. And before you know it, it's a family. And what has happened? The birds are not one anymore. It is not two anymore. It is a family of birds. A family of evil thoughts residing in your mind. Mm -hmm. Understand this? I'm accustomed to the wilderness. That is the reason why there's a constant interplay between ways and paths. Ways and paths. Ways and paths. Proverbs chapter 2. Let me show you a few verses for you to understand. Chapter 2, verse 8 onwards. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. You see that? Ultimately, why? Because those paths have been made by God and this is only for the thoughts of God to come into your life. Then shall thou understand righteousness and judgment, equity, yea, every good path. You see that? Now look at this. Why are not we are we are not being preserved? Why do we don't understand righteousness? Why do we don't understand judgment? Why do we don't understand equity? Because we have not created those parts for God to make us make us understand. When wisdom entereth into your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Now, what is pleasant to your soul is knowledge. Knowledge of God gives you pleasure than anything else. Wisdom has entered into your heart. Where? Into your heart. The seat of all your thoughts. And knowledge of God is pleasant to your soul. You know what happens? Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding will keep thee. You know why? From whom? Look at what next verse says. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man. From the man who speaks perverse things. Who leaves the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness. You see? The ways and paths. Ways and paths. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked. You know, they take pleasure in evil. And then it says, the next verse, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. See? Which forsakes the guide of a youth and forgets the covenant of a God. For our house inclineth unto death and our paths Paths to the dead. Paths to the dead. So why, David? Why were you, why did you fall into this sin? Because you had made nice paths for the traveler called temptation to come and he easily tempted you even before you knew it, you fell. He goes on to say, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 19. None that go unto her return again, neither they do they take hold of life to the paths of life, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. You see the ways and the paths, ways and the paths, for the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it, but the, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be uprooted from it. That is the reason why Galatians chapter 6 will say, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Why? Why? <laughs> you see, sowing and reaping is is very very interesting. Huh? We, we, if you look at the, look at the next verse, actually it says, "Do not become weary in doing good, uh, for in due season uh, you will reap a reward if you do not lose heart." So, as much as you as you have opportunity, do good to all people, especially to those who are of the house, household of God, is what the entire passage will say. But especially, whom is he t- uh, targeting? 
let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Why? What is it? What is the teacher doing? He's teaching your parts. Now, let me give you an example. Okay, um, Chaitanya Narayana is there. Okay, how many of you took long term coaching? Akhila, you took long term coaching. You did not took long long term coaching. Okay, I took long term coaching. Okay, uh, those days ten thousand rupees was a fee per year. Those days, I'm talking about. Uh, I don't want to mention my age. Long time back. Okay. <laughs> okay. 10,000 rupees was a fees. My parents said, my goodness, very expensive. But they put me through that coaching because I said, I want to go to IIT. Okay. That's what my idea was. Stubborn. I want to become IIT. Why was I stubborn? Because all my friends were going to IIT. I said, okay. They made, I also want to go to IIT. So my parents, you know, they, it's not, it was not easy for them those days. So they paid through their nose, so that one day they can see their son in IIT. Okay. So they sold in coaching center called this called it was called special coaching center those days. Okay, special coaching center, Parkatpura Circle. I remember those days. Okay, I used to come there for lunch, etc. And I used to travel all the way from uh, Loyal Academy. I used to travel 50 kilometers every day. Okay, from my coaching center back home to college, 50 kilometers every day. In the bus, not in anything. All the, I didn't have a bike in the bus. So all this hard work, why? I should go to IIT. All this investment, why? I should go to IIT. Now, if 10,000 rupees should be, I'm taking, let us say, 10,000 rupees is the investment I'm giving for a person to get into IIT. How much of money should I invest to go into the kingdom of God? Calculation? You're all silent. With the reason. You have a cricketer over here. Now if he, if he wants to make a, make it to the national selections, he has to invest in a coach. Tennis players, they invest in a coach. You know how much they have to pay a coach? $150,000 a year. So that they can win at least one grand slam. For temporal gains, they are investing $150,000 a year. Now, if I have to take my money, and I talk, think about money, how much I should invest into the eternal, especially in the people who are teaching the word of God, so that I can go into heaven, less or more? What is your calculation? Sir, freely you have received, freely give no sir. No? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Freely sir. This is free sir. You know, those days, if you if you get good rank in MSET, you get what we call as free seat. But to get a free seat, I have to pay Chetan and Narayana. Even that free seat is not free. You see how warped our minds are? No, in other words, you're a software engineer. Just giving an example. Hmm? Just giving an I'm talking about attitude. I'm not talking about how much you give. Just forget about that. That comes only later. See, once your thought processes are, men, are, 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 are straightened up, the investments will come later. Okay, first of all, thought processes have to be straightened up. Now, let's say you're a software engineer. Software engineer works for a company for earthly gains. Okay, I know. I also get distracted with uh, that fellow. Really. I can't stand that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Even the boxer is afraid <laughs> of that boxer. <laughs> okay. Just think about it, no? Just think about it. If I have to invest so much, and when the Bible says those who teach the word are counted worthy of what? What honor? Ah, noble honor. If the software engineer makes 50,000 rupees a year, 
how much should a man of God who preaches the word should be given? I'm just giving an example. I'm just giving you an example. How much? Double honor, Balazo? More honor, less money? No. No, 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 no. In proportion to their investment in studying the word, that's how they should be compensated. It's called remuneration. Otherwise, it's all what we call as, you know what, unequal, it's it's all unjust scales and balances. We have one scale in the world and one scale in, in the kingdom of God. Whereas in the kingdom of God, your scale should be very high. Did you understand what I'm talking about? That is what, in that context we see, we, we look at the concept of sowing and reaping out of context. Look at what it says. Let him who taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Why? Because they are caring for the soul. They are caring for my eternal good. This is lasting all, for all eternity. Therefore, my investment has to be a person who is investing in eternity. Do you understand that? Otherwise, it will be all. That's what I'm saying. Love from a pure heart, from clear conscience, and from unfeigned faith. Otherwise, the faith is unfeigned. It's fake, not faith. Mm -hmm. So, then he says, if you do not do that, don't be mocked. Don't be mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, and you give more money to Chaitanya, Narayana, you will get Chaitanya and Narayana in, in this country. You will say Chaitanya means prosperity according to Narayana. But not according to Yahweh. You will get Chaitanya according to Narayana. But if you want Chaitanya according to Yehova, your money should not go to Narayana. It should go to, excuse me, Yahweh. Simple equation, Baba. You see, our minds are all warped. Concepts are all... We have actually been sold a bill of goods. God says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that's exactly what he will reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, of the spirit will reap everlasting life. So in this context, where should you sow in? Excuse me? Uh, Where should you sow in? In the spirit. And what is sowing in the spirit? Excuse me? No, no, no. Sowing in the spirit will get everlasting. But what is sowing in the spirit precisely? Sowing the person who teaches. You see? Okay. That is the reason why he says even though in the Old Testament, don't muzzle the ox which treads the corn. You know what it says in the book of Proverbs? Where there is no ox, the gun is empty. Where there is no ox, the gun is empty. But by the strength of an ox, a gun is full. You know what's happened? We have killed all the oxes and we have eaten them. Understand that. It's very important. Very important principle. This is These are the principles that we need to understand. And we have to take it to heart. Okay. What we sow is exactly what we reap. That is the reason Paul is excited with his Macedonian believers. He said, boy, you're poor, but your poverty has, what? Has you have reacted in your poverty with superfluity of abundance and generosity? Why? Because you know what you're doing? You're sowing into eternal things. You're sowing in my ministry, in sowing in my ministry, you're sowing 
Because I taught you the word of God and I taught you the word of God for your eternal good. Your sowing is good. Your sowing is good. Mm-hmm. Understand this. First Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ also suffered us for us in the flesh, what should you do? Arm yourself with the same. So what should you do? Change your thinking, your patterns, the patterns which have been established over a period of time through repeated disciplined disobedience. Change it. Change it. Change the way that you think. Arm yourselves with the same mind. Just as Christ armed himself. How was he armed? He was disciplined in doing good right from childhood. What were we? We were disciplined in doing evil right from childhood. So we have to change now. Just as he was disciplined in doing good right from childhood. We also right from our childhood. That is new birth. The moment we start, we have become born again. We have become a new birth in Christ Jesus. And right from childhood, right from our time that we have God's spiritual birth, what do we do? We start nurturing and learning obedience and entrusting our souls to those people who will speak into our lives. That is for our eternal good. Otherwise, we are fooling ourselves. Did you understand? And as the Malayalis would say, Manizilayo. Did you understand? I have got so many Malayalis now. In the morning, my whole entire home was filled, filled with Malayalis. They, <laughs> they had four new children coming for admission. We have a lot. I mean, I think, I think I'm the only pastor who's teaching more Malus than Gultis. Very interesting. And pastor is teaching more Gultis than Malus. That is interesting. <laughs> so the equation has been balanced, okay, from both sides. You invest in Gultis, Gultis will invest in Malus, okay? <laughs> Honestly, you know, we have so, today we are like one month. My entire house is full of Malayalis today. I've never seen so many Malayalis coming to Ogulti's house at one time. Hmm? In, so understand this. Invest this. Start thinking. Start thinking. So look, look at what he says. Since Christ also suffered for in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. Just as when Christ was born and he, right from the time he was born again, he was trained. He grew in wisdom and in stature. He became strong in the spirit. He was invested, the spirit, he was invested in spiritual things in the same way, right from the time that you are born again in the kingdom of God. Invest yourselves in the things of the spirit so that you may grow in your salvation. So that you may have the same mind, just Christ, like Christ had. Why? That verse two, that you no longer should live the rest of your life. Sorry, uh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men. You know why? Because every man is driven away by his own lusts and is enticed. When you are tempted, temptation brings forth sin. Sin, when it's full growth, it brings forth death. So where should you stop? At the last level. In verse 4, for we have spent enough time. Sufficient time, Baba. Sufficient time, whatever your time is. Okay. 13 years is more than sufficient. Uh, Krutika. 14 years of your life you have sufficiently enjoyed. Okay. From, from now on, rest of your life. For what? For the will of God. For the will of God. Joanna, Joanna is how old now? 8 years? Joanne? Sufficient time, Joanne. Emmanuel is turning nine. Sufficient time. Sufficient time doing your own things. No. Sarah. All these children. Sufficient time. Or I should enjoy a little bit. No. No, no, no. no. You have spent sufficient time in enjoying. 
that is the reason why this mind training is important look this is a practice look at what it says in philippians chapter 4 one of our favorite verses again yesterday pastor was talking about virtue how do you get this virtue how do you get this virtue one of the ways you get what you you get virtue philippians chapter 4 look at what it says in verse 8 onwards finally brothers whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are noble whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there is any virtue look at that same word if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy meditate or think on these things constantly keep meditating make those roads over and over so that the revelations and the thoughts and the knowledge of god can easily flow into the, into your minds you keep on watching youtube those paths are cleared nicely and youtube will you give you suggestions what to watch today based upon your previous history what you watched in the last one week i will open your youtube page and i will exactly tell you what you've been watching the algorithm is very very artificially intelligent it is intelligent nevertheless how much less of the word more of movie more of the word less of movie which one mm-hmm. meditate on these things the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw you see look at look at this entire gamut of verbs that are being used to describe the learning process look at this learned received heard saw do and the god of peace will guide you see this is intentional that is the reason why god tells joshua joshua chapter 1 only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the all the law which moses my servant commanded you do not turn to the right or to the left that you may prosper in whatever you do this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your your way 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 your way prosperous and then you will have good success that is the reason why how do you handle temptation second timothy chapter 2 verse 22 easy 22222 nice very easy to remember how to handle temptation flee also youthful lust period no 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 flee youthful also youthful lust semi colon meaning that is the continuity but pursue righteousness faith love peace so what should, what all should i pursue to overcome temptation righteousness what all what else should i pursue faith what else should i pursue love what else should i pursue peace how not alone with all those who call upon the lord from a pure heart understand First Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve. Let therefore, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as one to, which is common to man. But God is faithful. How is he faithful? Who will not only allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make make a. Everybody say, away, 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 away to escape. and ways are here in your mind 
I want to give you another small tutorial on ways and paths. Ways and paths, no? Proverbs is like just instructive on this. Okay, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She's simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest, highest places on the city to call those who pass by who go straight on their way. They're going on the straight and narrow path. They're walking on the way. You know what it says? She starts tempting. You know how it, how it tempts? Whoever is simple, let him turn here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Joseph, 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 Joseph. Lie with me. Nobody needs to know Joseph. It's sweet. But he does not know who are there. That the dead are there. You know in, in Telugu, Pretalu. You know what Pretalu means? Dead bodies. In the moment you read Preta, means that that word only it gives you shivers in your mind. Pretalu. Oh my goodness. Pretatma. Pretatma. Sometimes you know that instilling of fear is good. That dead are there. How many of you like to walk on dead, among dead men? Show me. Hey, nice dead people. Huh, let's walk. How many of you say that? It's fantastic. Wow, what a sight. Will you say that? You see one accident on the road, you'll run for your life. No, no, no. I didn't see. I didn't see. I didn't see. You'll say that. Am I right or am I right? Yeah, you're, am I right? Okay. Or am I right? <laughs> you see? <clears throat> but he does not know who are there. The dead are there. And what happens in the dead place? Stinks. Initially, it gives you pleasure. After that, it stinks. But he does not know that the dead are there. That our guests are in the depths of hell. <laughs> they only thought there will be a guest in their home, no? You know, that's what in the Hotel California song, no? You can check out any time, but you can never leave. You can check out, but you can never leave. What a statement. Stabbing with their stealing knives, but they can't kill the beast. Mm-hmm. All right. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 17. He is in the way of life that keeps instruction. But he who refuses reproof, what does he do? He errs, meaning he gets deceived. He falls back. You know why? Because he has refused to be reproved, to be corrected. That's the reason why we need constant correction because we are prone to wander away from that way, that straight and narrow path. We need to have constant exhortation to come back into that straight and narrow path. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 19. Look at what it says. The way of the slothful man is a hedge of thorns. In other words, it is so full of thorns that the words, the word of God cannot even reach you. Slothful. So full of thorns. You, the word of God. I want to read Vijay. I want to reach Vijay. I want to reach Vijay. I want to reach Vijay. But he's so slothful. Full of thorns. I can't even reach them. Lazy fellow. But the way of righteous. What is it made? It is made plain. So that the word of God can nicely simply come. Smoothly. Because that's the reason why he says. By constant use of their senses. They have discerned to know what is good. And what is evil. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 24. We sang the song, no? Last song that uh, Abel sang. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. I want to grow above the heights where Satan's darts from me, I can escape, etc. How do you do that? (laughs) 1524. 
The way of life is above. The way of the life is above to the wise. That he may depart from hell beneath. There's hell beneath. Ways up. That is the reason why. You know what God tells Moses? Come up and be there. Come up and be there. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 onwards. If you are raised with Christ Jesus, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things which are on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ Jesus. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also may appear with him in glory. And he says, put to death therefore all which is of earth inside of you. The way of the cross. So, be watchful that you don't enter into temptation. So, you know what? This is a conscious effort. You see, it's not easy. You see that? You, in order for you to escape temptation, it's very very easy to pray, Lord, lead me, lead me not into temptation, but deliver from me from the power of the evil one. But how, Lord? How will you not lead me into temptation? If and only if I make a deliberate choice to ensure that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. I make the way of God for the way of the way for the word of God to reach to my, reach to my mind easily and smoothly so that I can overcome temptation and escape and flee like Joseph whenever I'm tempted. Another way to escape temptation. Don't be slothful. Two women will be grinding at, at one mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into one. Who is the house? You. You are the house. Right? Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not respect, do not expect. Meaning, ensure Ensure that your house, which is your mind, which is your spirit, which is your body, it's 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 perfectly covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. You are under the anointing so that no temptation can come and strike you. You have not opened any door for the temptation to come and easily cause you to fall. And then you know what? How do you do that? Who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give him food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. You know what? The best way to escape temptation is to work hard. Work hard. That is the reason why they say idle man's mind is what? Workshop. That fellow is very busy. Because both God and the devil calls, calls you your, calls your body there. House, home, exactly. Let your home not be broken into. Your home, your own heart, your own mind, your own spirit. Watch. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying, and he becomes lazy. And what happens to him? He becomes careless. Look at the next verse. And begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master will come at a time when he's not expecting. Busy, 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 busy. That's exactly how Jesus also stayed on that straight and narrow path. He was absolutely busy in the work of God. John, John's Gospel chapter 4. In the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to, food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him food? All they can think of is that only. Hmm? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of God and to finish the work that he has asked me to do. 
John's Gospel chapter 9. I must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. Start the work. Finish it. Stay busy. Stay busy. Stay busy. I like the dialogue in Shoshak Redemption. Get busy living or get busy dying. Busy. Busy, busy meaning, busy means busy in the work of God. You don't have any time for any other thoughts. You're constantly doing something. Either you're here or you're there in the work of God. You're engaged in the work of God. That is the reason why when you're children, you should not be given a lot of time to waste. You'll be constantly engaged because you become so slothful at this now. I tell, uh, you know, parents, you know, before they go to a vacation, I say, please, at least one hour a day, two hours a day, just to do a little bit of re- refreshing in the tables. Because when they come back to school for two weeks, we have to struggle. You know why? They forgot the tables. The thing about children, no, they grasp very fast and they also forget very fast. You say, hey, this fellow is Albert Einstein. He got, so, he got it so easily. And then after two months, it's gone. Ushkaki. And I'm like, how did it happen? Then empirical data. What is empirical data? It has happened across the globe. I mean, across the uh, the, the 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 spectrum of uh, students. Oh, 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 oh! It means if you lose touch, it is very difficult to come back. You have a sportsman over here. What sports people are do? What do they dread? They dread injuries. You know why? If they do not practice every day, finish their career is gone. So even when they are having an injury, let's say they have a elbow injury, they will keep themselves fit. So that one day when they go to practice, they are able to hit the ball exactly. Sometimes it's good to take off, to just refresh, to recharge your batteries. But recharging batteries doesn't mean that 24, 24 by 7, 365 days you will recharge. No. One, two days enough, maximum. After that, you should be very uncomfortable. Go back to practice. I, I asked her, um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll stop, stop with this. No? I asked uh, Pranit the other day. I said, Pranit, sometimes you know what? I take a break and, and then I go and start batting. It's as if I'm middling the ball. Anna, you only played a few balls. Try that for at least two or three overs or four overs. See if you can consistently hit the ball. See your timing after the second over. You will know how rusty your foot movement is. You know what? Even sports people, when they go before a match, there's something called as dash, warm up. What is that? Ah, warm up. They just can't go and then get off the blocks like that and run 100 meters. No, there's a warming up. Okay, so get busy. Bit busy in the house of God. Otherwise, watch. The tempter is there, right there in the corner and he will come and put a thought. Very easy. Very easy to become slack. Very easy to forget everything. Very easy to just take it easy and then it's gone. After two, three days, it's over. Mind is gone. It becomes a habit. Okay? Amen. Very difficult to say amen. Say amen if you mean it. Okay, amen. Okay. Watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Watch and pray. So what is the only way? Be conscious. Take every meeting. Lord, this is a meeting that you have given to me so that I can make ways in my mind so that the word of God and the revelation of God can reach me without any problem. And I practice righteousness. That is the reason why it says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. 
It's constant practice doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's a long obedience in one single direction all the way to heaven. And several paths to hell. All are easy. Let's pray. One word watch, Lord. Lord, you have taught us so many things. You just didn't teach us anything new. You've reiterated so many things that we already know. So that we will not forget that we'll be exhorted. So many paths that have been made by constant stubbornness in our own minds. It's so easy for the devil to tempt us. We are not effective in spiritual warfare because we are absolutely defeated by our own sin. We don't cause the, the, the kingdom of darkness to tremble. They actually yawn at us because they see our defeat in our, in our secret life. I pray Lord Jesus that none of us will take any things, any of these things that we have learned for granted. The word says, O Lord, if anyone thinks he stands, let him take heed, lest he fall. We all are prone to temptation. And I pray, Father, that we will garrison our minds by constantly meditating. It's just not reading, it's meditating, O Lord. That we will constantly meditate upon the word of God so that we will guard our minds and we'll make straight paths for the word of God to reach us. We will be like Moses, who will say, Lord, teach us your ways, show us your paths. And you told him, O oh Lord, my presence shall go with you, and you shall find rest. And he knew you, O oh Lord. You made known your ways to Moses. There was one man, who could just not only say, take a no from God, but who could also say no to God. Who said, when God said, I will just destroy all these people and make you into a big nation, a mighty nation, he said, no Lord. What a man. He understood your heart. He has known your ways now. That he not only has the ability to take a no from you, He has also got the heart and the mind of God to say no to you. I pray, Father, constantly, even as we read your word, meditate your word, come under the submission to the teaching of the word of God, invest ourselves in the teaching of the word of God. I pray, Lord, that, Lord, the paths for your revelation to come into our minds will become even more smoother and smoother as the days progress. To that and I pray that you would bless us all, O Lord. Continue to teach us your ways. Show us your paths. And prepare us so that, Lord, we will be ready for the days to come, days which are ahead. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. We worship you. Commit all of us into your hands. Once again, O Lord, we just want to thank you, Father, for Sister Elsa. We just want to thank you. We just want to bless her in your name as a church. Lord, I pray, Father, for health and strength for her, even in this coming year, O Lord. More anointing, increased power of the Holy Spirit over our life. I should be strong in the Spirit even more in this year, O Lord Jesus. Lord, that you will make, Father, 
all the paths straight for her, O Lord. That you will go ahead of her, straighten crooked paths for her, and the blessings of the Lord, living God, will pursue her and overtake her, O Lord. Thank you once again, Father, for this time. Lord, even as we go by the rest of the day, enable us, Lord Jesus, continuously to stay in that attitude of 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 ensuring that your presence will not leave us even for a single minute. That we will nurture and guard that fellowship that you have given to us even through our conversations. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.